to tell you that Bayville is just an amazing campus. And I love, yes, I love to be here in brick with you guys, though. This is where I started 16 years ago. And I love coming here. I can't believe sometimes that I'm actually standing in front of the room talking to you guys. I literally have to pinch myself sometimes because this was something that I never wanted to do. But God called me to it. And today I stand in front of you. If you've got a challenge in front of you, if there is a wall that's stopping you from going to here, to here, let me tell you something. Just continue to go deeper in the Lord. Continue to go into his word and go deeper in your relationship with Christ. Because the plan that God has for you, the assignment that he's placed on your life as you continue to do what he's called you to do, his plan, his assignment on your life will come to pass as it has in my life. And I stand in front of you today only by the grace of God. And I know some of you can say the same thing in the seat you're sitting in today. It is only through the grace and the power of God. I promise you I'm getting to my notes. But it's only by the grace and the power of God that we will accomplish the assignment that he's placed on our lives. If the assignment seems really big to you, that's good. That's God. Because if it's too small, it's probably not God. Because this was way too big for me. Standing in front of you, sitting where pastor sits, this was way too big for me. But it's God. And so I stand in front of you tonight knowing that the message that's going to come forth is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I can't do this in my own strength. And the plan that God has for you, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. Glory to God. And tonight, it is Saturday night. I don't know what today's date is. Is it the first? It's the first. Glory to God. This year is going very fast. God has a plan, and God's plan is going to come to pass. Prior to going to the cross, Jesus sat with his disciples and shared a meal with them. We call that event the Last Supper. And there he established a new covenant with his disciples. It was there that he established this new covenant where he said he was going to the cross. He was going to give up his body, his blood for us. And if Jesus did not do this on our behalf, we would never be able to come into communion with the Father. This is why we can come to church like this, worship God, and his presence falls in the room. You could say it like this, his glory just comes into the room, and we can worship him, and we can sense that, that his presence is coming into the room. It's why during your time alone with God at home, you could just sense that within you that his presence is there. That could only come to pass because of what Jesus did on the cross. And this is what I would like to talk to you about tonight. The power of this amazing event and the communion we now have with the Father 
through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says this, the cup of blessing, the cup of blessing, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? I want to paint a picture for you right now. I want you to imagine a scene. The king of heaven and earth has prepared a feast in honor of his son. The table has been prepared. The son has taken his place at the head of the table. And it's you and I who have been invited to sit and dine in fellowship with the son and the father. As we look around the table, we see men, we see women, boys, girls, loved by God, here by invitation. Can you imagine the scene? Can you picture yourself at this table, dining with the king? The king who set the stars in the universe. You know, there's billions, billions of stars that he painted in the heavens that we look at each day. That's the God of the universe. That same God of the universe knows your name. That same God that created the heavens knows every hair on your head. For some of us, that's more than others. But he knows every hair on your head. He knows your name. And you're sitting at his table. Can you imagine such a scene? To be asked to eat with the king of glory. How would we prepare ourselves? How would we dress, conduct ourselves? Our language, our speech, our disposition would all reflect a great joy and honor toward the one who has invited us to this dinner. What does the word communion actually mean? In the Greek, it's called koinonia. Oh, would I mess that one up? Let's say it again. Koinonia. Koinonia. And it means, this is what it means. Partnership, participation, fellowship, and community. In other words, it's the joining of two or more into one. Communion. Commune. That's what God desires. He desires for us to fellowship with him. We become one with it and with those who partake of it with us. We being many more are one bread. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He gave up his body for us. He shed his blood for us. So we can come into communion. We can commune with the Father. Now, while the Lord's Supper was a new thing for the early church, the idea of eating and drinking in the presence of God was not. See, this new covenant was new for them, but the idea of having a meal with God was nothing new. We can look at the example of it in Exodus 24, 9 through 11, when the people of Israel were camped at Mount Sinai. God invites them. He gives them the Ten Commandments, and God called the leaders of Israel up to the mountain to meet with them. And so we pick up in Exodus 24, 9 through 11, 
Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. God invited these men into his presence where they dined with him. They dined with him. They ate and they drank with him. I love going out to dinner with my wife. I love spending that intimate time with her. I don't know if any of you like going out to dinner with your favorite person and spending that time with them, but I love doing that with her. Because why? I want to know what's on her heart. I want to know what she's thinking. I want to know what's in her mind. I want to know what her challenges are. I want to celebrate with her. But at times, I may want to cry with her. So I enjoy eating a meal with my wife and sharing these different things with her. It's no different in the kingdom of God. God desires for us to come and commune with him. God desires us to share our hearts with him, to share our minds with him. What's going on in our lives? Yes, he may know, but he wants to commune with us. That's what this covenant is all about. We couldn't do that before this covenant was established with Jesus going to the cross. Why? Because Adam and Eve gave up that right in the garden. Can you imagine the devastation after they were thrown out of the garden? They no longer could commune with God. But what about God? communing with them. Have you ever looked at it from that point of view? Where God, his creation, man that he made, he can no longer commune with him. It must have broke his heart. He desired that. He wanted that. In Deuteronomy 14, 20 through 23, it says this. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Verse 23 said, and you shall eat before the Lord your God. God's people were commanded to come into his presence to eat and drink before him. When you have a meal with someone, it is a form of intimacy, of closeness. You come together, you share a meal with one another. God desires that for our lives. I said this just a moment ago how it must have devastated God's heart to lose that with his, his child, his creation, Adam, to lose that with Eve. God had to put a plan in place so that way we could come back into that intimacy, that closeness, and dine with him once again. He had to put that in place. And that's what he did through his son. Today, we have a much better covenant than ever before. 
And that's what took place at the Lord's Supper. When he formed this covenant and Jesus put this into place, he did that that night with his disciples when he told them, I'm going to give my body, I'm going to give my blood so that way we can commune with the Father once again. Jesus' payment for our sins has already been accomplished, so now we eat in the Lord's presence with great rejoicing because now we truly can commune with God once again. That's what happened at the Last Supper. That's what took place when Jesus went to the cross. So many times we say Jesus died for us, but it was so much worse than that. Jesus was brutally beaten. The whips that went through his back had lead balls with glass or metal or bones of animals at the end of it. And when that whip was taken to his back, it literally ripped the skin off of his back, where to the point his muscles could have been shown, to the point where his actual organs, you could see it, to the point where his spine was out in the open. It just ripped his back apart. It's not enough to just say Jesus died for us. He was brutally beaten to the point where he was unrecognizable. That's what he did for us. So that way, the Father once again could commune with his creation. That's how much the Father desires for us to come to him. I don't know about you, but my life gets very hectic. How many of you feel the same way? Man, there's distractions. There's challenges. Every day just, just seems to be another one. Jesus did so much for us. There are times when we have to put aside our own desires. There's going to be times when it's important to just lay at the feet of Jesus, to see what he desires to take the time to spend with him. I wouldn't be here today if God didn't slow my life down and say, Michael, I need you to come closer to me. I need you to seek my face. I need you to come and spend more time with me. I had to change some things in my own life to just be totally transparent with you. So God's plan could take place. You may have to do that too in your lives. Here's what I did, just to be very practical. I made a list of all the, my commitments and everything that I was doing. And most of them were great ideas or great things, but they weren't for me because God had a different plan and I had to cross some things off. Nope, that's gonna hinder me from doing what God called me to do. And I had to put those things aside to allow the plan of God to come to pass in my life. This is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life, to be able to speak into your lives, to be able to encourage you to fulfill what God has for you. That's the most fulfilling thing in life. Yes, you have your careers and your businesses But I'll tell you what, when you step into the things that God desires of you, and that may include where you work, 
That may include whatever ministry you're a part of. But remember this. God desires to commune with us. Whether you're in full-time ministry, whether you have a business, whether you have, you're a full-time mom at home raising up children to serve Christ wherever they are called to, whatever it may be, you're going to have to commune with God for him to show you the direction that you need for your life. You hear so much, I'm stressed out. Things are so hard, I'm so busy. I hate that word busy. We need to learn to take the time with Christ to be able to fulfill what he's called for us. Otherwise, life will take a toll on us and we will find ourselves burnt out. It happened to me when I was younger. All I kept doing was working and working and working and working. I was striving after the things of this world instead of striving after Christ. And all it did was brought me to the lowest point. And at that low point, I found Christ once again. And that's when he started building me back up to be able to do what he called me to do. And I'll tell you what, when you put that kind of emphasis on communing with God, everything else will fall into place anyway. He will give you wisdom, insight, knowledge, revelation. He'll tell you things that are coming when you commune with him. Today, I work half as much as I used to work, and I'm more profitable than I've ever been before. Why? I've put everything at the feet of Jesus so I can do this today. And this is what I love to do because I'm fulfilling what God's called me to do. I'm still in business. I still serve God at work. But now I've learned that if I throw myself at Jesus' feet and I commune with the Father, and I say, Lord, what would you have me do today? He will set my path straight. He will give me opportunities. My trust isn't in man. My trust is in God. He will put me where I need to be to help me be successful, not just make money, but help those that are in need. That's what communing with the Father does for us. Jesus said, I tell you that I shall not drink again of this fruit. We have a lot to look forward to. The Lord's Supper looks forward to more of a wonderful fellowship meal in God's presence in the future. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said, I tell you that I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So much to look forward to. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you will have an opportunity if you haven't, you get to look forward to someday seeing Jesus in his kingdom, and we will be there all together as a church family. We are told more explicitly in Revelation 19 about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19.9, and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation, 
God's aim has been to bring his people into fellowship with himself. Communion. That's what communion is all about. Here he is. We are in the presence of the king. It is communion. Jesus said it. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He's here today. He's not literally in the bread or in the cup. We do this as a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. But he's here in our presence. We sit today in the presence of the King of glory who suffered and died for us so that we can fellowship with the Father. We ought to consider a few things. Number one, the King decides who is invited because the Lord Jesus Christ died once for all. We invite whosoever wills to come and partake of communion with us. The bread and the cup are symbolic of the grace of God towards us. It is literally the grace of God, the power of God that raised Jesus up from the dead, the Holy Spirit, the power that raised him from the dead. Do you realize that that same power lives in each and every one of us? How can we not go through this life victorious and know the victory has already been won by the Lord Jesus Christ? It is our victory because he lives inside of us. He lives in each and every one of you. You just need to understand that and then walk in that upon the foundation of the word of God in which we should stand. The victory is yours and the victory is mine. And this world cannot steal it. It's already been done. It's already been accomplished. It's nothing that this world can steal. But the enemy can lie to us because he's a thief. And that's what he comes to do. He comes to steal our callings. But we need to stand strong in the word of God and understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. He has removed the stumbling blocks to our relationship with the Father. And we hear that in his word in many ways. Come all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Are you weary? Are you heavy burdened? You need to place it at the feet of Jesus and commune with the Father so he can restore that back into your life. One minute in his presence will restore the strength and the energy that you need in your body. It's not going to happen by clicking on the TV and watching Netflix for six hours. It's just not. Believe me, I've done it before. It doesn't work. Because when you get up off the couch, you're just as tired as when you laid on the couch. It comes from spending time with the Father. Come all you who hunger and thirst. Come blessed of my Father and enter your re into your reward. It's not our place to limit who comes to receive, but we must prepare our hearts as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 11. 
If there is any unforgiveness in your heart today, before we take the cup and the bread, ask for forgiveness. If there is something going on in your life that you're holding something against someone, we must ask God to forgive us before we take the cup. If you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, receive him. You're going to get that opportunity today. Receive him as the Lord and Savior. Receive what the word of God is telling us he accomplished on the cross today. We must prepare our hearts to be able to take communion today. But once you have done that, you now are prepared to go ahead and take that cup and that bread and celebrate remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So the king decides who is invited. The second thing is the king deserves honor. I believe we can honor Christ at his table in a number of ways. One of the greatest ways to honor someone is to place value on what they have achieved or accomplished. In this case, Jesus, the Lamb of God, allowed himself to become the sacrifice that would satisfy God the Father's demand for punishment for the sinner's. It was Jesus who gave his blood. It didn't just cover our sins. It removed our sins. That's what the blood of Jesus did. And that's how we honor him, by coming together. We remember all Jesus endured because he didn't. Then we would be forced to endure punishment for all time, for all eternity. If we don't accept him here on earth, if we don't receive what he did for us here on earth, there is a heaven and there is a hell. The word of God tells us that. And I don't want anybody to go there. Whether I love them or not, it doesn't matter. That's eternity. The decision must be made here. We must honor Jesus here. It is what he accomplished for us. I know this isn't one of those messages where everybody jumps up and down and, woo, way to go, Pastor Mike. I know it's not one of those. It's a solemn message. Whenever we talk about what Jesus accomplished on the cross, it's an amazing message because it's the pain and the suffering that he had to endure on our behalf. We cannot have life and life more abundantly without him. The fact is, he is worthy of our faith, our trust, our confidence. He has earned it. We honor our king every time we take communion together. We honor what Jesus did for us. All he accomplished on the cross. And the third and last thing is, the king deserves our everything. Communion is a perfect way to recommit our lives unto the Lord who purchased us with his blood. God desires that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what God desires. He doesn't desire robots. 
He gave us a free will. He desires for us, excuse me, to come to him. He desires for us to put him in first place in our life. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. He sees the heart. He desires for us to put him in first place in every area of our lives. Not just in one area. He sees it all. He sees our hearts. And when you place it at his feet, that's when he does an amazing work like you can't believe. That's when he goes to work on our behalf. But he desires for us with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, every bit of passion that you have inside of you. Worship the Lord. Commune with the Father. I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. It simply means set apart and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a process that we must walk through. We can no longer be part of the culture of this world because we could see the enemy's hand and direction it's going in. We cannot be part of that. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How is that going to happen? Through the word of God. And when that takes place in your life, then, it says, then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is. How many times have we prayed for God's will to be done in our lives? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But... Verse 2 must take place first. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every redeemed person, every disciple of Christ must be consecrated to God, entirely separated to live for him, for his will, for his work, and for his honor. Communion is koinonia, fellowship, partnering, interacting. Jesus offers himself to us, and we offer ourselves to him. Jesus gives himself wholly for me, and I give myself wholly for him. He yielded his life for ours. Now we yield our lives for his. In Matthew 26, 26 through 29, as we come to the end of tonight's service, and then we'll take the elements together. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Not the covering of sins. Your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Never to be brought up again because of what Jesus did on the cross. We now can come to the Father. We now can walk with him as Adam and Eve did in the garden. It's up to us to take that time, commune with the Father. Take the time and grow in his word. Why don't we all stand, church? I want to give an opportunity before we take the elements together tonight. For all those who may not have said the prayer of salvation, for all of those who may not have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, you now know what he did for you. He gave his life once again that we may have life, once again that we may come into fellowship with the Father. So tonight I want us to say this prayer together. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for taking my place and my sins upon yourself. I realize that I could have no relationship with you on the basis of my works. I thank you that in Christ, I am forgiven. And right now, if I haven't done so before, I receive you into my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sin, was raised on the third day, and I confess now with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen, church. Amen. If that was the first time you've prayed that prayer, I want to let you know that the angels in heaven are celebrating over you. That all those in heaven are celebrating that you received Jesus for the first time in your life. It is an amazing thing what Jesus accomplished on the cross for his people. Amazing. And so tonight, if you have prepared your hearts, please open up that first wrapper on the top. Take hold of the wafer. This is symbolic of the body that Jesus gave up for on the cross. His body was brutally beaten so that we can have life and life more abundantly. He endured the whip on his back. And the word of God says so that we may be healed and by his stripes we are healed so please go ahead and take that 
In 1 Corinthians 11.23, you can go ahead and grab the cup and peel that back. It says, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And this is symbolic of the blood of Jesus, which took away all our sins. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we would not be able to come into fellowship with the Father. When God looks at us now, he doesn't see our sins. He only sees what Jesus did for us on the cross. So as we take this today, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you accomplished on our behalf. We thank you, Jesus, that now we can once again come into fellowship. We can once again sit at the table and have a meal with our Father. We can once again come into his presence and know how much he truly loves us. Jesus, in your last prayer to the Father for the disciples and for all those who would come to know you in the future, you said to the Father that he loves you and he loves us just as much as he loves you. And so church family, we know that God loved us so much that he sent his only son. And today, as we take this cup, we say thank you in remembrance to all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and take that. Church family, as we dismiss tonight, if you need prayer for anything, Please don't just walk out. Come up and receive prayer for whatever it is you're going through. If this was the first time you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't just walk out. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure you have a Bible and the Word of God. On behalf of Pastor Joe and Barb, we love you guys so much. We are truly a church family here. God bless you. Have a great week. We love you all, and we'll see you soon. You're dismissed.
Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice.